0: By the end of the program, 17 of those original 220 went on to graduate. What struck me about that experience is that those 17 individuals were rather unremarkable. All of the biggest, fastest, strongest people, those that maybe most looked the part, they were all some of the first to go away. I'm Jim Huffman, and this
1: is If I Was Starting Today a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? All right, well, that finally happened. We have a Navy SEAL on the podcast today a Navy SEAL-turned-founder. His name is Pat Dossett. He spent nine years serving as a U.S. Navy SEAL. The following service, Pat earned an MBA from Wharton School of Business as a Tillman Military Scholar. He then spent three years at Google before leaving to co-found Made For, where he currently se- serves as CEO and co-founder, along with Blake Mykowski. If that name sounds familiar, that's because Blake is the CEO of Tom's Shoes. And this episode is packed with awesome stories and tactics for anyone that's wanting to grow a business. And you can get some insights on how to do it from the mind of a Navy SEAL. And Made For His Startup is really impressive. So if you're interested in increasing your performance or optimizing your own personal systems, they've created essentially a a 10-month program that you can do that takes what he's learned as a Navy SEAL and interviewing astronauts and fighter pilots on how to really optimize your life and your performance. So instead of just reading books or buying an app, you can kind of up your game and go to made for. But this episode has was been really fun for me. I hope you all get something out of it. But here's my interview with Pat. All right. So I'm beyond excited to have Pat Dossett on the podcast today. So, Pat, welcome. Happy
0: to have you here. Great to be here, Jim. Looking forward to it.
1: Pat, do you mind introducing yourself?
0: Yeah, I'm Pat Dossett. I am the CEO and co-founder of Made For and father of three, two uh, identical twin girls that are two years old and a six-month-old boy. And I always like to bring them up because um, as hard as starting a company is, and my background prior to, to starting Made For was serving a, as a U.S. Navy SEAL, being a parent and parent to young kids is probably the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> So
1: I am a girl dad. I have a two year old and a four year old and uh, our youngest had colic and it was it was pretty rough. And um, someone that, that was in the military told us, I don't know if this is true, whenever they're training people for wartime, that if you simulate a hostage situation or you're being kidnapped, they'll have a baby crying in the background because that's like the most painful experience to go through. And so I feel like I'm clearly <laughs> not a Navy SEAL, but I, I feel like I went through a fraction of the training. Is there any truth to that or is that <laughs> just false?
0: Uh, you know, I think there, there there's an element of truth to it in that you try to find what makes something somebody uncomfortable and then just keep poking on that until they Figure out how to deal with it, or they break. And so, for some, maybe the sound of crying children. For others, it may be the sound of meatloaf playing on repeat or Frozen soundtrack playing on repeat. It just, uh, I think, depends on the individual. But Bud's instructors, in particular, those that that run seal training, are very effective at figuring out what your weak point is, and they just they just keep poking at it. So, <laughs> oh my
1: gosh, yeah, it's yeah, Frozen might be up there as well. Um, so that that's really <laughs> cool. So so I'm really excited to get into Made 4 because I've actually heard about your company for a while now and what you guys have built is really impressive. But actually, I saw a quote that you had that made me kind of laugh and I didn't put this in the questions ahead of time, but you said jokingly that your superpower is that you can sustain suffering for an extended period of time. That's <laughs> you know, a joke you have with your wife. <laughs> So, but it it makes me, cause it gets to this idea of grit and being relentless. Why is you being able to sustain suffering a superpower? Can you give color to that?
0: Yeah. um, Yeah. I say that in in part uh, as a joke and in part, not, I think I have yet to figure out what my natural God given ability is. And I'm always envious of those people that are just naturally good at something. I just haven't figured out what that thing is for me, but Probably the thing that I've relied on more than anything is just an ability to stick to and grind, uh, and whether you call it grit or growth mindset or just tenacity, just that ability to endure and keep keep working towards a larger vision or a larger mission that you know that I'm that I'm excited by and and take the small steps that it's required to get there uh, has served me really well. So whether it was in the SEAL teams or even trying to you know, when I left the, the SEAL teams, I used business school as a way to transition out uh, something as simple as applying and getting into business schools. I had to take the entrance exam, I think six or seven times because I'm just, you know, nothing comes easy. So it took a while to kind of get the scores that I needed and all that. But um, yeah, I think just an ability to to grind is something that that I lean on quite often. You know, even it's like circling back to this idea of being
1: a dad and raising kids, I think about that as well, like not making it too easy for them. Like it's okay for them to fail, but like be able to embrace that and keep pushing ahead. I, I thought that was a really cool call out as your superpower.
0: Yeah, that, for kids, I think it's so true. It's like you you always want to. I was I was talking with a former teammate about this yesterday. Um, he's a he's a father as well, and you always want to overindex on love, give them more love than than they need, and then you hope that you can give them just the right amount of stress and and not more. And oftentimes, we think about stress as something that is uh, something to be avoided and that's bad, but in actuality, most of the stress that we encounter is, is good for us. And it's, it's what helps us grow. It's what helps us learn and is a forcing function to make us better. And so, um, yeah, whether you're a parent or you're, you're an entrepreneur or you're, um, a teammate, uh, at, at a company trying to figure out what are the right ways to induce stress and use stress as a forcing function for for positive change is, is really good.
1: All right. So I want to come back to that thought because that's a really good one. But first, can you, to someone that doesn't know, what is made for?
0: Yeah. So made for in its simplest form is a, a step-by-step toolkit for training you to thrive regardless of the circumstances that you find yourself in. So we've got a small committed team made up of scientific advisors, world-class experts in human performance and neuroscientists and psychologists, uh, real experts in the way that the brain is, and body are designed. And we've worked with them to design a program that directs our members' attention and effort in small, but really powerful and rewarding ways. So yeah, it comes to life as a, as a year-long program that our members engage in where every day we're engaging in small steps that are mapped to the science of the way our brain and body is designed and that help us show up better uh, in our lives not only for ourselves but for the world around us.
1: Yeah and I'm excited to get into the origin story and how you all started to get traction with kind of this this almost monthly kits that are sent to you. Um, But I also like understanding business from someone's experience and how it led to that. So What's fascinating to me is people that start in military for you, being a Navy SEAL, then going into business, but can you tell us a little bit about your military background?
0: Sure. I went to the, the U.S. Naval Academy for undergrad. When I was in seventh grade, I had the, the fortune of reading a book about the SEAL teams, and for me, something about the story and what I read, the book was Rogue Warrior by a gentleman named Dick Marcinko reading that story, just planted a seed. And I was like, man, that sounds like an amazing adventure something that I want to see if I can do. And so it became my sole focus and I worked and was uh, fortunate enough to get a slot to the Naval Academy and then graduated from the Naval Academy in 2002 and was one of 16 people out of the Academy that got picked up for SEAL training. So in 2002, I started SEAL training alongside 220 other very qualified committed individuals, all that had a desire to be become Navy SEALs. That 220, five weeks in, got whittled down to 150. Six weeks in, whittled down to 36. And by the end of the program, 17 of those original 220 went on to graduate. And so for me, it left a lasting impression. Uh, actually, what struck me about that experience is that those 17 individuals were rather unremarkable. You wouldn't have been able to pick them out from a lineup. And in fact, all of the biggest, fastest, strongest people, those that maybe most look the part or that um, you would say, no oh, this person's definitely going to make it, they were all some of the first to go away. And so what you were left with was this, again, rather unremarkable looking group that did some fundamental things and some basic things very, very well. And it just struck me and it, it only continued to impress upon me during my time in the teams, both in training and operations overseas, that We're all capable of so much more. We have this ability to push our brains and our bodies well past what we think is possible. It's just a matter of how do we unlock that? And what I realized is that that capacity exists inside everyone. It's not just, it's not capitalized by Navy SEALs or Army Rangers or by certain business professionals or physicians. Like Everyone has this ability. And so that really was, I would say for me, the genesis of what would eventually become made for was this this epiphany of how much mindset matters and how these very basic things that engage the right way can help us unlock capacity. Now, I was later going through graduate school, and I'll be honest, I, I was going through business school alongside a lot of people that were far smarter than I, I am and was and far more experienced in the business world. And so a lot of the classes that I sat through went over my head, but I had an opportunity to audit an undergraduate class taught by a woman named Dr. Angela Duckworth, her research is on the science of grit and grit as a determining factor for success, which really aligned with what I think my superpower is. And so I was excited to take her class, but her class was an introduction to the field of positive psychology. And I'm not someone that's into soft practices or guru type things. And I recognize positive psychology on the surface sounds very, sounds very soft. But what I discovered in that class was much of what they were talking about and then been proven out through evidence-based research and study after study after study mapped very well to my experience that there are some small things that you can do that are, again, are in line with the way that the brain and the body are designed, positive things that you can be in pursuit of that help you grow your capacity from the inside out. And it resonated with me and it just got me more excited about what I saw in the SEAL teams and put me on this path that I think I knew at some point I was going to create a business in this. I just didn't know what it was going to be. And so it wasn't until a few years later that, that Blake and I, my co-founder, were, were tossing around some ideas and really aligned on this this mission for Made For and, and started working on it full-time.
1: I'm excited to get into that origin story. W- one thing that I'm interested with your military background, then transitioning into being a founder and, and into business... What's something that you learned from your time as a SEAL that has really shaped you as a business owner or as a founder? Like any stories or, or color on that?
0: Oh wow! Uh, I think there's a lot that I draw on from my experience in the in the military to to help with the challenges and stresses of, of being a founder and and, and running a business. Um, I would say first is, and this is this is considered one of the the soft truths that. People are our most important asset, and then I think paired with that in in the SEAL teams, when you ask a, a SEAL about another SEAL, you know what kind of guy that person is, or you know what kind of teammate that person is. The they never respond with "Oh, that person's a great shot," or "That person's um, can do a lot of pull ups," or "They're really fast." Rather, the response is "They're a good teammate." And so this idea that team first mentality and that an individual is putting the team above their own self-interest is just something that gets beat into you from day one of going through SEAL training and certainly something that we lean into in our profession, that there are no superheroes in the SEAL teams. There are just really great teams um, made up of individuals. And so I've had to lean on that time and time again. And, you know, for the first part of Made 4, I was working. There was a lot of individual time, and I felt that that to be particularly um, isolating. And I'm just, I found that I'm not effective, that I have to surround myself with, um, people that are also committed to the mission and that compliment me and that I can compliment. And, um, yeah, so that, that's been, that's been a really valuable lesson, um, that first learned in the teams, but continues to be reinforced that you have to invest in your people. You've got to get the most out of your people and you've got to have a good team in order to, to deliver an amazing product or an experience and to, to find success. It
1: is so true. Like as a business owner myself, like initially I thought it was about having a good idea. It's about your spreadsheet. Do the margins (laughs) look good. But the second it gets real, it's like, who are the smartest and and best people that I want to work with? And can you just set them up for success? Because everyone talks about people, everything, people, everything, but it is, man, it is so true once you try and create something. So yeah, really well said, especially the fact that, I mean, since, And two, you've been having that beat into you that that is number
0: one. Yeah. I think, I think so, people first and then, and then mission second. And this, this idea of having a mission focused mindset, and it's something that I talk to to my team a lot about. And I also talk to our members a lot about it as well as this idea that what is the bigger mission that we're working towards? And just constant having such clarity around what that mission is, what the impact we're working towards, and how. Our individual and collective efforts are moving us towards realizing that mission is really important because it clarifies how we allocate resources, it clarifies how we allocate our time, how we work together, what kind of culture we want to have uh, exist inside our team. And I would say it's not a matter of if but when, I always like to say life gets a vote. You're gonna be throwing a curveball, you know, when you're you're navigating your startup or you're getting your entity off the ground, you're gonna find yourself pushed in ways that were expected and unexpected, but if you can always go back to, is the mission still valid? Is it something that I feel compelled to pursue? And if so, then allow that to be the thing that gets you back into action and do so effectively. So,
1: Yeah. if everybody's on the same page with that destination and it has significant meaning, then people will be willing to do what it takes and help each other out. Because if people are just doing something because it makes money, If you're playing the long game i don't think that works out and i don't think that's the team you necessarily want
0: yeah i think not to not jump in but i think it's so true and if i if made for was about the money or you know this had been a different business that i really didn't feel connected to the mission i would have stopped long ago there's no question about it and so i've always found i'm at my best when i'm serving missions and causes and people or things outside of myself and i think everyone on the team would would echo similar sentiments that they ha- There has to be a bigger why behind the reason that we're doing things, and that really is the clean fuel for us that allows us to navigate the adversity and the challenges that we that we experience, you know, week in and week out. Well, I don't know if there's
1: a better partner to have for a mission-driven business than your partner that is Blake Mikoski of Tom Shoes. I mean, what he's done with buy a pair, give a pair to someone in need is, is truly phenomenal. And I I love looking at companies from like three kind of frameworks, like how you came up with this idea, second, getting traction, and then third growth. So you kind of mentioned this with getting introduced to Angela Duckworth and then eventually connecting with Blake. Can you talk about first how you came up with this idea and how you connected with Blake to actually be like, hey, we're, let's, let's try this.
0: Yeah. The Blake connection more serendipity than anything else. We're both from Texas. Our families have known each other for a long time, but he and I actually never met until about, I think we met the first time maybe seven or eight years ago. And just a a mutual friend connected us and we discovered we both like surfing and we we started up a friendship around surfing and adventure. And then it grew from there. I think Blake is one of those people that he is very intentional with everything that he does. And mission is a big part of how he shows up, both in business and, and in his and his, you know, friendships and and his family, and I think for that very reason, we just grew closer and closer over time. And we were on a trip a few years ago where Blake asked a question to the group, uh, group of guys that we take a trip with every year, and he said, you know, if you could work on anything and money was no object, what would you want to work on? And when everyone went around the table, and when they got to me. I said, you know, I don't know what this is, but I've always loved this idea of human potential uh, and human performance. And if we can help people unlock potential they have inside themselves, then that would be something interesting to me. And I would love to work on a, on a project like that. And right after that trip, Blake emailed me and said, you know, I didn't want to put you on the spot, but this is something I've been thinking a lot about and something I'd be super excited to work on with you if if you're interested. And so a few weeks later, we, we um, got back together and spent a weekend just tossing around ideas and um, different thoughts on uh, what could we do in, in terms of a business around this. And at the end of that weekend, you know, we had, we had an approximate idea of like, here are some, some features of what a business in this space might look like. But really what we got clarity on is aligning on the mission, which is if we can help individuals show up better in their lives, then they're going to make the lives of those around them better. And that seemed to be a, a mission that we both felt compelled by um, and, um, and with that, with just as much as that, I left, uh, I ended up leaving Google to work on this full time. And um, yeah, and that's how it kind of came to be.
1: There's some lessons there. One is you have this an idea and not just keeping it to yourself, but putting it out there. Because if it's something you're excited about, there's probably other people that could be as well if you have something that's really good. The second thing is you know, surrounding yourself with the right people, because there's this quote, you know, you're the average of the five people you surround yourself mm-hmm. with. And first I kind of brushed that off. I was like, actually, I think there's some real truth to that. And it seems like that could open the doors to a lot of exciting things. So or sorry, go I think,
0: yeah, I, I think it's so true. And I think, um, you know, even before that, that the friendship with Blake, or maybe in parallel with the friendship of Blake, I was at, um, I was working at successful, you know, working at a great company, um, had uh, was having a lot of success there. But I found that something was missing, and um, I had also, you know, I transitioned out of the military. I had so there was a a change of identity from being a SEAL to being what is it that you are when you're not no longer in the SEAL teams, to being at a new business. To I was getting engaged and. Uh, very soon after married, and so I found that what I thought I was and where I was at maybe were two different places, and that I needed to find a way to continue to make sure that I was on an individual growth trajectory. So one of the things that I did, um, and it's such a simple thing, but I started waking up uh, an hour earlier, and I said, "All right, no matter what, I'm getting up an hour early, and I'm going to read for an hour every morning to start my day." and and I'm just going to read about things that I'm generally interested in. and it so happens uh, the things that I were interested in was the science of human performance and potential and uh, research more about uh, Marty Seligman and Angela Duckworth and Daniel Kahneman and a lot of these uh, people that work in behavioral science and all of the sciences that map to you know human performance and potential. And that those small little steps every day put me into a place where I was eventually able to develop a thesis around this and, uh, maybe a, uh, a more informed perspective than I than I had prior to that. And so when it came time to do that working session with Blake over the weekend, it's not that I was showing up saying like, oh yeah, this could be this and this could be this. I had a very, um, I had some convictions around what right looked like. And together we were able to navigate uh, navigate that and ultimately come up with something that we we're both proud of. So I just want I wanna underscore for anyone that's listening, doesn't matter where you're at, or what challenges you're facing, or how much you're, you know, how many, how many commitments you're juggling. If you have an idea, feed that idea just a little bit every day, and those little steps, that little bit of attention and effort that you give to that idea, uh, can take you to some surprising places.
1: Yeah, it's, I'm a big fan of James clean Atomic Habits. Those little things that can have a big impact, and you know, just waking up an hour a day to read something that can compound and just put gasoline on the fire for this idea. And sometimes that's all it needs, plus another person to be bought in. So I I wanted to get to, you have this idea, but how do you come up with this 10 week program, come up with the ideas for the kits that you send out? Can you talk through, what was the R and D you did for that? Are you pulling stuff from what you did as a seal, but would love to know how you all workshop that.
0: Yeah. It's a great question. So one of the first things that I did, and I think over that weekend we aligned on, hey, wouldn't it be cool? Blake was exposed to a lot of things in human performance that just from his own passions and pursuits that he thought were interesting. I, from my time in the teams and and post time in service, had also been exposed to some different protocols and practices. And I think where we initially came out was like, all right, wouldn't it be cool if we could pick a handful of these and distill them out? unlock the, you know, distill out the science and curate the science around these things, the benefits, and then deliver those to people in a way that um, would allow us to to grow a business and um, to serve members really effectively. And so that's what we started with. And right after that, I started reaching out to everyone in my network from professional athletes to astronauts, to fighter pilots, to you know human performance specialists, to business leaders, politicians, anyone that I knew, just asking them, like, they have all the things that that you've done in your professional career, what are the things that that have added the most value to your life? And so from that, I got a, you know, I think I got, I don't know, 150 responses from different people and ran the gamut of responses. But what came through loud and clear was that it was not these high-speed hacks or quick fixes that made the difference. It was rather a commitment to some very small, unsexy deliberate practices that people engaged and engaged with consistency that made the biggest difference for them. And so from that, I was like, well, that's that's kind of interesting. Shortly thereafter, my my friend and early collaborator, and and, and very shortly thereafter, uh, our lead advisor at Made For is a gentleman named Dr. Andrew Huberman. He's a neuroscientist from Stanford. I started bouncing these ideas off with him. And together, we were able to, to isolate and Well, not even I say, we're able to build a a collection of other advisors that, that we brought in and said, okay, from everything that you've seen and that you've been exposed to, if you could distill it down to its most essential elements and steps, where would you direct someone's attention and effort? And so it was a combination of individual research, collective experience, leaning on advisors, and then just pressure testing and iterating with family and friends, like how do you think about this? And that's where we—that's how we ended up with the program. And Blake jokes about this that we set out to design a year-long program, but we could only find ten uh, practices or ten areas of focus to to work on, and so it ended up being ten months. And and that's that's where we that's where we ended up.
1: Now that's fascinating. I love the fact that you're reaching out to professional athletes and astronauts and trying to just gather this hub of intelligence to try and break it down to these ten modules. So to list a few, you have like. Hydration, you have gratitude, breath, rest, vision. Could you give people even more color? Like, okay, I'm in. You know, I I, I want to like elevate. You know, human performance. What are some things they should be expecting that, or the challenges they would be doing each month?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, you you laid some of the, some of these out, and so every month we focus on one. What I would say is a foundational baseline elevating. Practice. So if you were to engage this, it's not only going to make you better at doing the thing you're doing, but it's going to make you better across a whole host of other areas of your life. So, you know, we start with something so elemental and so simple with hydration, where we talk about the science of hydration, what the costs are of being dehydrated, even at low deficits on the order of one to two percent, you actually have very real physical and cognitive impairments into your performance. And so you may think that that afternoon fatigue or the afternoon snacking is tied to one thing, but in actuality it's maybe tied to something entirely different. So we bring people up to speed on, on what's going on with hydration. And then we pair it with a challenge designed around what's the smallest thing that we could get you to do where you would see the benefit of your actions over the course of this, this 21 day challenge. Now we ask people to track their water over the course of 21 days. Not telling them, hey, you need to drink a certain amount of water, but rather, I just want you to create some awareness with how much you're drinking and how it's affecting you. And there's there's some neuroscience behind the way that we deliver the program and the, and the steps that we, that we um, put out there. Um, but the idea is, again, can we shift someone's behavior in a more positive direction by getting them into action in small but really effective ways? So uh, what we see by the end of that month is not only are people drinking more water, Feeling better because of it, but they're also noticing that, oh, wow, just by focusing on my attention on the small thing that I'm doing every day and creating some awareness on how it's affecting me, I'm actually changing other areas of my life that I didn't expect to change. And so we go from hydration to gratitude to nutrition to connection to movement to breath. Each one of these areas of focus again, the smallest step possible. So these are things that just seamlessly fit into your day that you're probably already doing, but the way that we have you do them creates the type of sustainable shifts in not only your mindset and behaviors, but also just the way that you're showing up for yourself every day that helps you get more out of your day and and move closer to the things you care most about.
1: That's awesome. So, so each month it's a twenty-one day challenge, and then you're also are you also getting other things in this package that are kind of setting you up to know what you're embarking on, or if there's anything else?
0: Yeah, it's great. So, when we when we initially started, made for we were shipping out physical kits every month, and so we would sign up a new cohort of members, and a cohort would go through the whole program together, and. Now uh, Every month, you were getting a physical kit with a book that we that we wrote that curated out the science and the story of the the area of focus and the benefits, really designed to incentivize you to get you into action. We'd pair that with a physical tool that you would use over the course of the month and a challenge designed around, again, the smallest thing that you could do uh, to see the benefits and the effects of your actions. And so those are really the three key components inside these kits. And there was a new kit every month. Now, we, we ran with that model for... A couple of years and just about two months ago we've evolved it we saw so much demand for our so many people that wanted to sign up for the program but because of the business model the price point was just out of reach for a lot of people and so we evolved our model a few months ago and, and released uh, a self-guided and a guided version now that's de-linked the access to the information and the perspective and the support that we give from the physical experience. So now members have the opportunity if they wanna get the physical tools and the physical publications, they can. But if they just wanna guide themselves and get the information to get into action, they can do that too. And it's a much more accessible price point. I think it's like $9 a month now to, to do the program.
1: That's awesome. And can you speak to, I don't know what you can share as far as like how many customers you have or people that have used this and any like examples of how this has
0: really helped people and transformed their life? To date, we've served thousands of customers, or thought we'd call them members, thousands of members all across the country. And uh, with our recent um, switch as of a couple months ago, we're now serving members all across the world. And so we have to date, we are just north of 10,000 members served. And that's, you know, we just started working with the general public about a year and a half ago, right as COVID was kicking off. So uh, we continue to see momentum building uh, with our memberships and inside our community. And uh, it's great. Um, in terms of the effects that our members are seeing, what's fascinating about the program is that even though it's a generalized offering, that we are giving everyone the exact same steps and getting people to do the, uh, giving them the same science and getting them into uh, action in, the, in similar ways, people find uniquely relevant ways to map their effort towards what they care most about. Um, and so the effects range depending upon what an individual is looking to get out of the program. everything from. You know, someone's feeling more rested, more energetic, more calm, more present, more effective uh, as a parent or as a mother or as a teammate. We find that, you know, all the time members are sharing with us that, wow, my doctor's been telling me to do this for years. I've always ignored him. But the way that you deliver the information has actually got me to do the thing that is making a big difference for me in my life. Uh, We had a woman a few months ago that shared that at some point in her life, she didn't realize that she internal she that she had internalized her best days were behind her, but over the course of this program, she now realized that her best days are here and now and in front of her. So it's this consistent theme that people are stepping more fully into their lives, um, that they have greater sense of control over their physical and mental health, and um, are able to move, more efficiently and effectively towards the things that they care most about and obviously we didn't plan for a plan for a global pandemic the the business was launched prior to covid but i don't think you could have had a better program or offering at a better time over the course last last year and a half and and we've got you know everything from first responders to veterans to judges to recently released felons going through the program and it literally runs the gamut but the thing that i have just come to appreciate so much and the team has come to appreciate so much is that everyone is dealing with something and so it doesn't matter if it's you know a job loss or um uh you know loss of a loved one or a change in marital status or job stress whatever it is financial stress like we're all dealing with something and we're just trying to find a way to deal more effectively with the, the environment that we find ourselves in. And so Made For has been a really great complement to those individuals going through that. And over the course of last year, we've actually started working with companies as well. So I think we've got 25 companies now that have either finished Made For or are going through Made For uh, as an organization. And it's, it seems to be making a really great impact on the companies uh, that we serve as well. So,
1: yeah, I think the B2B route for your your business makes a lot of sense because I mean, even just to put it in for my small company. So I have a growth marketing agency We're like 15 people. And like during COVID, it, it was crazy because we lost half our business in 48 hours. And it's like yeah. none of the business books I read trained me for uh, how to handle a P&L that just gets sliced in half. And I was literally just searching the bottom of the internet looking for... Like what's the right framework for even approaching this? I I stumbled upon uh, the book Scaling Up and it's like the five C's for managing in a crisis. But, you know, this is something obviously you have made for, but even your background as a Navy SEAL, I feel like you train for those situations or you have simulations for that. What advice would you give to, you know, people that are going through a crisis mode? It isn't at the level of a SEAL where it's life and death, but it's still very significant to them like how should people be approaching that
0: yeah it's a it's a great question um look i think it it's very easy to make the worst of a bad situation and so um and bad situations are going to come and so the what you have to decide is like do you want to do you want to make the worst of it or do you want to find a way to like to navigate it effectively and the visual that comes to mind is um and Everyone in special operations goes through a level of combat casualty care. So how could you uh, triage and, and treat someone uh, in the battlefield if they get shot, right? And there's this this acronym called BATS, bleeding, airway, tension Pneum- pneumothorax, and shock. And you're always treating in that order. So I think it's a great visual for this, not that we want to be Corey, but this idea that like the first thing you have to do is stop the bleeding right and so if you don't stop the bleeding nothing else matters so you may come up upon someone that's got a blocked airway they they've been shot and they're they're choking well you're not actually going to deal with the choking first the first thing you're going to do is stop the bleeding because if they don't have blood to circulate oxygen in their body it doesn't matter if they have an open airway and so the reason i say this is because when you find yourself in a crisis the first thing is like what is the corollary to, to bleeding in the situation is it cash flow is it customers is it the team is it what is that thing and let's focus on that first and if we can address that then we buy ourselves some time to figure out how we're going to navigate this challenge and ultimately get to where we want to go right and it doesn't matter what doesn't matter if it's covid or or if it's you know an ios update or whatever the challenge is that you're facing every challenge provides an opportunity so long as you're willing to do the work to find it and it's not to say that you're going to have all the answers as a leader. You need to figure out ways to get the most out of your people and make sure that, hey, everyone is looking for solutions at every turn uh, and feels empowered to pursue those opportunities and, uh, and to, to set your team up for success. But I don't know. That's a little bit how I would think about it is that you can always make the worst of a bad situation. Don't do that. Stop the bleeding first. And then find the opportunity because it's there so long as you're willing to do the work.
1: All right. Now I'm fired up. I wish I would have had you in my corner uh, <laughs> March of 2020. But um uh, well, you're here. I, you
0: did something you did. You, you did something right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily, uh, basically everybody went online and so people needed help in the e-commerce space. So we went from losing half the business to like, oh, wow, it's it's going in, in the right direction. So, um, but yeah, that, that that's really good advice. So, and I like this. You've also spoken about having a bias towards action. And and that's something that I think about as a, as a founder because there's only certain things that you can control. There's a lot you can't control. So it's like be intentional with what you can control and default to getting stuff done. So one thing that I'm interested to hear about is, you know, Blake's done so many impressive things. You're now like working side by side with him what are some things you've learned, um, just even like watching him or working together that other people could kind of take away from that?
0: Yeah, I think well, I've learned so much from Blake. Uh, having him as a as a teammate and a co-founder with made for has been awesome. But two things that that come top of mind are one, and I don't want this to sound superficial because I think it's really important that you can have all the consideration and intentionality and mission and everything baked into your perfect product but if you're not selling it nothing else matters And so like at the end of the day you still have to sell something and you have to make sure that you have everything you're doing everything you need to do in order to sell um, that product and so whether that's and this is something that that Blake does a, an amazing job as certainly do, did a great job with at Tom's but this ability to evangelize to tell a story to make people feel like, they're part of a movement and, and, and then it's more than just a product with Tom's and it's more than just a shoe. It's about, you know, how can you use business as a force for good? This power of story and narrative, I think is something that really stuck with me from, from working with Blake. And then at the end of the day, if you're not selling, like that should be a signal to you that you're doing something wrong and make sure that you're, you're paying attention to the areas of business that allow you to sell. He always talks, talks about like, when he was building Toms and hiring teammates, he always wanted to bring on people that he knew were going to fund their position. And so uh, as long as he was doing that, then um, it allowed him to continue to scale the business and grow. And so it's something that, that I certainly think about as we continue to grow our team and um, build our capacity to, to move towards our towards our vision and mission.
1: That's really well said. And what advice would you give to founders that are like, hey, I'm really inspired to have a mission-driven business, like lead a mission-led team? Because a lot of the reason why I ask is because sometimes I see companies like, oh, we're mission-focused. And like, oh, by the way, we're giving 1% of profits to this charity. But it feels a little after the fact. It it feels almost forced. What advice would you give to people that want to do it the right way?
0: Yeah, I, I it's such a good call out that if it's if it's something that's bolted on or a business is skinned or wrapped around with, you know, it's got some window dressing or some wrapping paper around like, oh, and there's this mission or there's this bigger intention, everyone's gonna see through it. Your customers are gonna see through it, your team's gonna certainly see through it, and both of those are gonna are gonna um weigh heavy on your ability to achieve whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. And so I think you know. This is something that that can't be faked, right? You actually have to design the business and believe in the mission uh, from the outset and, and design it from the outset, such that um, the way that you are, you know, moving towards bringing this business to life or growing this business is in line with a, a mission or a vision. And so, um, and look, it's not to say that every company is not going to can't have this. Um, I don't want to say can't have an altruistic core, but like not every company is going to be about drilling water wells or, you know, giving kids shoes or going to be about helping people be their best selves. Like there are a lot of companies, majority of companies are more about the everyday day-to-day parts of living and life. And, but it's not to say that you can't have a company that exists in the service or in the tech side of things that can't also have a big mission. And so can you make that mission pain point that you're solving for, and hey, if you can solve that pain point for someone, then you're giving back someone time and attention that they can allocate elsewhere to more important areas of life. And that can be a mission, right? And so it's I think it's a matter of how you're telling the story, but also how you're aligning your actions day to day, how you're showing up for your teammates, how you're showing up for those that you serve that really clarify and solidify that, yes, this is a mission first company. So-
1: And I think you hit on a really important part of it is the storytelling, because people can identify with the story and something that people can remember and then tell other people about, because whether it's like Tom's the story there, everybody knows about and like your story and why you've created this, it's very true and authentic. Um, Well, nice. All right. Two more questions. I'll let you get on with your life. Um, so you've you have a broad exposure. You've been a Navy SEAL, you've worked at Google, uh, you went to Warden, you're now a founder. If you were starting your career today, like what advice would you give to yourself?
0: Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I would say a couple things. Play the long game. So don't don't put so much pressure on yourself to to solve everything at twenty-two or twenty-three or to yeah, I feel like we we constantly apply pressure to ourselves. Like, hey, we have to have everything figured out, and we've got to like make sure that we are performing relative to our peers, and that we're constantly at the head of the pack, or you know, whatever it is. And I would just say that by playing the long game and recognizing like there are these phases that you go through of hey, small mouth, big ears. Just learn as much as possible. Learn as much from as many people as possible, and across a, as many different areas as possible to help inform where you want to invest your time and intention, And like when you're that ultimately you're going to be in a place where you're going to have the opportunity to meet the right people to, to raise money or to, to pursue an idea and all the learning that you've done along the way is going to be the thing that sets you up for success when that opportunity comes and it will come. So the the first thing I would say is play the long game. Second, I would say is just be a good teammate to yourself. Like be kind to yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. And, probably most importantly is like, enjoy the journey because there's no guarantee that we're going to be around for however long. Right. And so if you're not finding ways to enjoy the process of learning, enjoy the discovery of running a startup or, you know, eventually serving a big mission, like you're missing out, like the juice is in the journey. It's not in the destination and it's not on, it's not found on the mountaintop. So I think that's what I would tell myself.
1: That's really good. I do think, yeah, enjoying the journey, and like celebrating the wins along the way. I've been guilty of, like, we hit a milestone, and I was like, I should like hype this up and make this a big deal, not just focus on, oh, we need to optimize the business more. But it's, um, yeah, something I'm trying to do myself.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, this is something I like to ask everybody to kind of end the conversation. But what's the nicest thing anyone's done for you in your career?
0: Oh, uh, I, I saw this ahead of time, and I actually been thinking a lot about it since I read it. I'll be honest, there's not, it's not to say that there have been, there have been individuals that have done really great things for me that have been very helpful. But when I, when I was reflecting on this question, the overarching theme that came out of it was just the collective support that I've gotten from classmates and peers and teammates and leaders and family and friends. And, and, and it wasn't always a big thing that someone did, but that these people at various points in time gave me their, time and attention and honest feedback and um really did so in such a way that like they were just serving my best interest. And I for that, you know, I'm just I'm I'll be forever grateful. And so even something as simple as like sending out an email to you know 150 friends saying like, hey, what are you doing? Like the fact that someone took time away from their kids or their job or whatever to like write a thoughtful response meant the world to me. And it helped informed How I moved forward next, or you know, I had an opportunity as a young officer in the SEAL teams. I was we call it uh, voluntold. They got voluntold to be an aide de camp to uh, to a general uh, named uh, General Votel, who at the time was the deputy deputy commander general of the Joint Special Operations Command. And one thing that I took away, I took so much away from my time with General Votel. But one thing I took away was that General Votel was never late. It didn't matter if he was meeting with. A handful of junior enlisted. It didn't matter if he was meeting with, you know, uh, an ambassador or some senior, senior political or military leader. He was always on time, uh, and he was always prepared. And what he told me was, he's like, "Look, if someone is giving you their attention, that is the most precious resource that someone can give you. And so you need to make sure that you're making the most of that attention, and that you're honoring it in such a way that lets them know that you value them." their life, their attention, their time. And so that just struck me and I've just been forever grateful for those that have, have given that to me. And I try to give that back to uh, to others as well. And so for people
1: that want to learn more about Made For, I mean, you're literally, you're taking everything you've done from SILA training, doing the research, talking to astronauts, you've packaged it up into a 10 month program. Like basically in under a year, people can transform their life. You're making it very easy for them. Where can they go to learn more about made for about you or to get more information on the, if this is right for them?
0: Yeah, Jim, you're, you're hired. You, uh, you are way more succinct in describing what made for is I think I've been at this for, for four and a half years now. And, um, the, the closer I get to it, the harder it is to get, it, it is to describe what this program is that we put together, but we basically, we made it easy for people to change, um, through, uh, a program built on science, this amazing group of advisors and small steps. So it's doable, it's effective um, and, uh, and it's fun. And uh, yeah, we look forward to sharing it with uh, with more and more people as time goes on. So if you want to learn more about it, you can go to our website, www.getmadefor.com, G-E-T-M-A-D-E-F-O-R.com. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at madefor uh, or you can follow uh, me on Instagram at madefor underscore pat. Find us at any one of those places. We're we're constantly running uh, little campaigns, and we sometimes will every month we'll run a different science-backed text challenge for people to give a small taste of made for. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to to engage with us, check one of those out. It's a great opportunity to learn a little bit more about who we are and what we do, and, and decide if uh, if you want to work with us.
1: I feel like what are the competitors? you? people can read a book there's probably some apps out there that you can download that do some tracking. But the problem with those is I think you need accountability. I think the challenges that you guys put out there is something that if you're like very serious about acting on this, as opposed to just researching on, I think that's why this is really interesting to myself. Cause my co-founder, who's a complete productivity nerd, he saw this and he's just like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, he, he was, he was very excited about the the plan you, you've laid out, but no, I, I think what you guys are doing is very fun.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, I, th- I think, um, rarely is more information. The thing that prohibits progress it's, can you do, can you actually put into action the information that you have? And so, um, yeah, you're right. And we you say like, what are the competitors or you could go read, uh, 200 books, or you could go, you know, call up your neuroscience friend and your psychologist friend and your, you know, whatever, if you have a team of advisors, you can go reach out to them and say, well, what would you do? Or you can just hit the easy button, come over to us and, and <laughs> we've distilled it down to like everything. Again, just do its essential elements. And there's no fluff here. I, I, from my time in the teams, I just, I don't have time or patience for anything that's soft. Everything that you do has a specific intention and effect associated with it. And um, yeah, I, and I, I think to your point, and this is something I share with our members, like, look, if you have to look at an app a screen, a device, a piece of technology, something outside yourself to tell you how you're performing or feeling, you've missed a first critical step. And that first step really is, what are the signals and cues my body is sending to me and how can I best respond to those? And so what we do is we work on that circuitry, this idea of interoceptive awareness, and now we do it through the lens of neuroscience so that past the age of 25, there's only real two ways to change the brain um two models of brain change one is through a short intense experience but those are the exception they're not the norm uh you can't really plan for those the other is through small consistent steps done with intention and awareness over time that's the model of made for um and it's how we deliver our program that's why it's it's so effective and, and world-class and what we do
1: no that's that's re- that was very well said so nice, nice job um We'll put that in the front. This, yeah, yeah. I'll put the front. <laughs> no, I'm just um, kidding. <laughs> I do I, I wish I had a whole nother hour to ask you for advice on parenting on how a Navy SEAL raises their kids. Do you have any 15-second tips you can give me as I'm trying to raise two girls? Like how, how's a Navy SEAL raise their kid?
0: Oh wow. Um well <laughs> I would say that you know, I, and I've made that I made this joke before, but Navy SEAL training is is so much easier than being a parent. Uh, and the reason why is because when you're going through SEAL training, there's a bell that follows you everywhere that you go. And at any point in time, you can just ring that bell three times and be done. Uh, you can get off the ride and you can get warm and cozy and get donuts and coffee and and life is good again. <laughs> uh, but in parenting, uh, there is no bell, at least none that I've found and I've looked for it on uh, on more than one occasion. But again, I think it's all this it's all the same lessons that we talked about here is this idea that like, Find a way to enjoy the journey, and to enjoy the highs and the lows and to recognize that like through all of that friction and through the adversity and solving these challenges with kids and the lack of sleep and like there is good that comes from that. And it bonds you to your child in a way that you can't frankly bond any other way. There's no substitute to being present and in it and with your kid. And as long as you over-index on love... Um, and try to find ways to induce just the right amount of stress and no more, like everything else works out. So (laughs) that,
1: that is very true. But yeah, I, have been looking for that bell as well, but, uh, Pat, thank you so much for the time. This was a blast. Amazing. Enjoyed it. Today's episode is brought to you by no one. Yep, We have zero sponsors. I haven't reached out to any companies nor would I expect a reputable brand to give me money, but I'll give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out GrowthHit. GrowthHit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, GrowthHit has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out growthhit.com.